once again, <clears throat> it's a privilege to be here this morning uh, to, to worship with you. And I, I thank you for the opportunity again to, <coughs> to um, minister the word this morning. Let me ask you to turn to the, the text that we read in Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. Um, we read from verse 21 to verse 28 this morning. Um, as we look at this particular um, uh, group of verses spoken by our Lord Jesus Christ, um, I know that uh, you are familiar with um, the theme, uh, the cost of discipleship. Um, but I want to this morning to to um, to show a different different slant uh, to the text, and I want you to look at it as uh, the Christian's path to glory. The Christian's path to glory. Now it, it's it's a, a strange theme, but. As we go along, you'll see why um, this is so necessary. Because sometimes uh, we, we get the impression that, yes, there is a cost of discipleship, but we do not see it as, as um, something that is necessary for every believer. That that is the path that we have to follow if we are to be uh, glorified of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not an easy road. It's very difficult. Every saint has had to walk through this. But most importantly, this is the pattern. This is the example that the Lord Jesus Christ has left for us. We cannot escape it. And so I, I would like to speak to you on, on this subject this morning. Now, Jesus Christ, uh, the context, as we know, is that in verse 21, where the Lord Jesus Christ has been speaking to his disciples, uh, and often he has uh, referred or mentioned to them that he will suffer. He will suffer. He will be humiliated. He will be crucified. And the disciples, even though they were being trained by our Lord Jesus Christ and, and, and walked with him for at least three years, didn't seem to understand how the Messiah could be killed. Um, and that is because the disciples, as well as the, the Jews in particular, had these um, fond dreams, this notion of a political messiah, one who would come and who would set up a kingdom of glory and rule. And the disciples themselves thought that they would have, you know, um, some high position or, or, or great position in that kingdom. And that's why they often quarreled among themselves as to uh, who should be the greatest. And I remember listening to a pastor who says, you know, that some of them wish to be 
you know, some, uh, some great minister in that kingdom, chancellor of this exchequer, as you have in the, in the United Kingdom. They look for great positions in the kingdom of Christ. And so they could never, never understand, even at this late stage, that Jesus Christ had to die, that the Messiah was prophesied of him that he had to give up his life in order that, that he would be able to save all those whom the Father gave to him. And so you could understand the Apostle Peter when he takes the Lord Jesus Christ aside and, and, and literally re rebukes to his Lord by saying to him that it shall not be so. Uh, you cannot give up your life. You cannot die. And so you can see how Peter is thinking and also the other disciples. But the Lord Jesus Christ wants his disciples to know that the path to glory includes the cross, suffering, sacrifice. And so the Lord Jesus Christ is set, sets before us a pattern. He is our example. As the Apostle Peter would later tell us in his own epistle that the Lord Jesus Christ has set an example for us that we should follow in his steps. He will understand that later. But at this point in time, we look at the response of the Lord Jesus Christ to that notion that, you know, he must bypass the suffering. The Lord Jesus Christ, in a sense, saying, No, you are my disciples. If you would follow me, you too would have to suffer. <coughs> you would have to suffer in this life. That's your path to glory. That is our path to glory. Because the Lord Jesus Christ would later say in verse 27, For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father. He never seemed to, to look beyond that, to that glory. It's not the glory on earth, not a glorious earthly kingdom, but the glory that we shall have with him in heaven. <clears throat> Sorry. So let us look carefully at what the Lord Jesus Christ is saying. Because every word that the Lord Jesus Christ speaks is important. Uh, he does not mince words. He does not use words carelessly. And so the Lord Jesus Christ is saying, if any man will come after me. Now, uh, there are many, there are many who are willing to come, but they do not count the cost. Many. Many are ready to come, but only if there is something in it for them. Now the apostles, in fact the, the Jews, many of them followed the Lord Jesus Christ. Some, some wherever he went. Why did they follow him? Well, some of them followed him because of what they got from him. Remember the time when he fed 5,000 and they ate food and the fish. 
And you remember that they followed the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus Christ said, you, you're following me not because you understood the sign miracle which I did. Because the Lord Jesus Christ, every miracle he did pointed to himself as the Messiah. That he is that spiritual bread which they must eat. They didn't understand that. So they followed him for the physical food. And a lot of people are following the Lord Jesus Christ only for what they can get. There are many reasons why people follow. And people crowd churches. They have their agenda. Why they are in church. Why they follow church. Some people follow because they don't want to appear to be irreligious. That they have no religion. That they are atheists or something like that. So they follow. They want people to, to see that you know they're going to church. They're following. Some people are following because of the entertainment that they are looking for. And so you know they 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 they, they, they crowd the churches and they are entertained, but they can tell you nothing of the gospel. Never heard anything about the gospel, but they have been entertained. And so they keep following. That's not the reason why we should be following the Lord Jesus Christ. Some are following because they use religion as a cloak. A cloak for their unrighteous acts, for their bad living. So they use this as a cloak. But of course, there are those who are who genuinely follow the Lord Jesus Christ. They genuinely seek Him because they have a need for Him. They have come face to face with the gospel. It has spoken to their hearts. They have trusted Jesus Christ as Savior because of their need for forgiveness, their need for pardon, their need for salvation, their need for the new life. They are genuinely following the Lord Jesus Christ. The question is this morning is what is the reason that you are following or you claim to be following? Why are you here? Why are you interested in religion? Why are you interested in the Bible? What's your motive? Because you have to examine these things. And if you say or you claim to have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, do you understand that making a profession of faith is not enough. That you have to go beyond that. This is what our Lord Jesus Christ uh, is, is saying to us. If any man will come after me. Because the crowds will come in after him. He wants us to understand that there are conditions for following the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not enough for you to say I'm a Christian. Are you following the conditions that the Lord Jesus Christ has set here? And so, the first thing I want you to observe is this. Jesus Christ says, if anyone should come after me, after me, not after the pastor, not after a church, not after a man, not after anything. If any man shall come after me, Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, second person of the Trinity, 
the exalted Christ? Are you following, coming after him? He's a person. He's the person that you and I should come after. If you are not coming after him, then you are still, you are still haven't found a way as yet. Because it's Christ and Christ alone who gave his life for sinners. He is the chosen one, the anointed one, whom the Father sent into this world, take upon himself a human body, suffer in that body, so that sinners might be saved. It must be him and him alone that you are coming after or following. If you don't understand that, if you don't appreciate that, then you're not following as Christ would have you to follow him. So the first thing is this. It says, if any man should come after me, let him deny himself. And so our first heading, so to speak, is um, the, the denial of self. The denial of self. Now, strange as it, as it may seem, self, self is the principal God of many people. Every man is concerned for himself. That's what gets us into trouble. Whether you're a young person or an adult, self is your problem. It was self, concern for self, that caused Adam and Eve to disobey the Lord. Because they placed themselves, what they wanted, what they thought was good for them, that was more important to them than obeying the express command of God. They wanted to be like God. They wanted everything that the devil offered them. They shut their minds against the word of God, the voice of the living God, because they were looking out for themselves. Absolute obedience to the Lord, to, the, to God, did not matter. Self is more important. In, sometimes you read in the Bible where it says that every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Why does he do everything that is right in his own eyes? Because he is concerned for himself. He wants to please himself. He wants himself to be happy. He wants himself to be satisfied. It is a disease. It's this this preoccupation with the self. But it's something all of us are familiar with. Perhaps, you know, you um, we are not aware of it. How much time and energy and effort we put towards ourselves is real. And it can become a God in your life. Sometimes it's, it is self, the God, rather than the living God. Jehovah. And so we, 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 we violate the commandment of God. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. So if you put yourself, your concern for yourself before God, then you have created a God. You are worshipping yourself and not the living God. 
And so, you know, we live in a world today, and you are well aware of it. It is I, me, and mine. Everything's about me. It's, it's a selfish world. That's what it is. And when a man seeks righteousness, righteousness that is obtained by him doing some good work, he's concerned for himself. He's not concerned for the righteousness that is in Jesus Christ alone through faith in Christ. No, he thinks that his righteousness is far better than the righteousness of Christ. What he fails to understand that that self-righteousness will never get him to heaven. That self-righteousness is worthless. But yet he pursues that righteousness which himself obtains. Which he has, which he has obtained through his own effort. And so this self can lead to all kinds of things. All kinds of sins. Makes a man selfish concerned only about himself and no other. Makes people greedy, makes people envious, makes people covetous. As the self concerned with the self, and it gets people into a lot of problems. When you are only concerned for yourself, you don't care about anyone else, not even your brothers or your sisters. You will see after yourself first. They can come afterward. And it gets worse when you are so concerned for yourself that you are no longer interested in the claims of our Lord Jesus Christ upon your own life. And so we have to be very careful and understand why the Lord Jesus Christ is saying, if you will come after me, you must deny yourself. You have to set yourself apart. You have to put behind you all your interests, all your goals, all your ambitions, what you want for yourself. That has to be set aside in the interest of claims, of the claims of Christ upon you. And so it is, self is very, very powerful. But it can be, and it can lead us astray. And so what's involved in denying self? Well, as we shall see in the text, in the next verse, it means losing your life for the sake of the gospel. That's very difficult for us to lose your life for the sake of the gospel. It means that you have now to kill, mortify the deeds of the flesh. So you have to discipline yourself now. You have to do that. You can't be concerned now about you. It's not you anymore. If you are a Christian, you have been bought with a price. And therefore, you have to submit yourself to the Lordship, the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what our Lord Jesus Christ is demanding of each of us. We may not be aware of it, of the power of self. 
you must be prepared to deny yourself the comforts of life, if necessary, for the sake of Jesus Christ and the gospel. The comforts of life. Very few people want to let go of the comforts of life. Everybody wants to have a nice home. Everybody wants to have a nice vehicle. Everybody wants to send their children to college. We all do. There's nothing wrong with these things. But you have to remember, why am I doing all these things? Is it for myself? To satisfy myself? My ego? Make myself feel good? That I can boast and tell everybody that I have children who are going to college. I have children who are PhDs. What powers does that measure with your commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ? You know, when when you when you um, when you get up on the on the Lord's day every morning on the Lord's day, what's in your mind? You say, I'm going to church. I'm going to church. You come to a building. But do you know that you are coming to worship the Lord Jesus Christ? You come to adore him. You come to lift him up, promote him. Now, if you allow self to get in the way, you will not get up. That morning, you feel tired. All of a sudden you feel tired. You don't want to get up. You're concerned for self. I'll take that additional hour of sleep. And we do these things not, not realizing that we are seen after self and not the Lord Jesus Christ to whom we must be committed. Everybody wants to protect himself. I cannot do this. I cannot do that. Because I feel sick today. I don't feel so well today. And so we make excuses for ourselves. I must protect myself. I, I can't afford to go and minister in this particular neighborhood or visit this particular place to, to um, witness the gospel. I'm thinking about myself. Myself. I must protect myself. Jesus Christ says you have to deny yourself yourself. Anything that comes into conflict with serving the Lord Jesus Christ has to be set aside. That's the bottom line. It must be Christ and Christ and Christ alone. Not me, but Christ. And if it cannot be that, Jesus Christ says, if you are not prepared to, uh, to, 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 to hate your father, your mother, your husband, your wife, your children, for my sake, then you cannot be my disciple. He's not saying that you must have nothing to do with them, but he's saying it's a question of, of priority. Who comes first in your life? Is it the Lord Jesus Christ or you? And we can live through this world, this life as, as believers, only looking out for ourselves. Brothers and sisters, there are people today who are given up their very lives, you know, suffering for the gospel's sake. They have left the comforts of their homes, their country. They have found themselves in situations where they can't even get food to eat. Why? Because they have given up their lives 
for the service of the Lord Jesus Christ. While many of us, sad to say, so concerned about this particular person that we are at ease in Zion. Oh, it ought not to be so because Jesus Christ says you have to deny self. And the Lord Jesus Christ does not say these things, you know. He's, he gives us an example. It's not to say that he's just, you know, saying words. He himself denied himself. The Lord Jesus Christ came from, from the Father, the glories of heaven, the eternal Son. He did not have to come down to this earth, but yet he took upon him a human body. He emptied himself. Yes, he made himself nothing. That means he denied himself. Why? For you and for me. He became a servant, a man. He became a servant even unto death. He denied himself. And if the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our, our banner, who's, who, 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 who stands ahead of us, we are following him. If he himself denied himself, what about us? Why are we so unwilling to deny ourselves? Why are we protecting ourselves and wouldn't lift a finger or make a step towards following him because we are so concerned about ourselves? You know, there have been, there have been men, men who are reach the old age, you know, and yet, you know, they never seem to give up. Never seem to give up. They don't allow their old age to prevent them from serving the Lord. You know, John Wesley, John Wesley, 87, and yet he was out there preaching the gospel in the opening meetings. That is what he loved to do. 87, never said, well, you know, no, I better protect this body. I better conserve it. No, he gave, he gave every ounce of his life for the sake of the gospel. He denied himself. All of us. Some of us are much younger than he was. We have young people here today. How many of y'all are prepared to deny yourself? What you want, what you want, your goals, your ambitions. How do you see life ahead of you? Oh, are you prepared? If you want to say, you are, I want to be a Christian, I want to follow Christ, it's going to be very tough. You have to forget yourself. Forget your own interests for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that is denial of self. But the Lord Jesus Christ goes even further. When he speaks of the death of self, oh, that's a hard one. You say the death of self? Oh yes, the death of self. Because he says, if any man will come after me, let him take up his cross. You know, the cross means death, suffering and death. I'm not asking you to go and kill yourself. So what I'm saying, you have to take up the cross, your cross. You know, Roman crucifixion required that every criminal 
carry his own cross. That's why Jesus Christ had to carry his own cross. You know, the Romans were, were very cruel. You know, apart from having to crucify you on a, on a pole, they made you carry this crossbar, you know, the plank. Not the whole cross. Sometimes we have pictures of people carrying the whole cross, the pole and the cross. But it's this crossbar you carry. They made you carry this thing. This thing was heavy. And think of the Lord Jesus Christ having been scourged, which means he lost a lot of blood already. He's weak, and they forced him to carry a cross. Thankfully, the prophets of God, there was Simon who carried the cross, that part of the cross for him. And the Lord Jesus Christ is, is, is speaking of his death, and he speaks of cross, cross-bearing. And he said, for us, we too, we too must carry our cross. Every one of you must carry a cross. Not my cross, not the cross, but you carry your cross. What's the cross that you're carrying? And if you're carrying a cross, are you complaining? Don't forget that your cross has been divinely imposed appointed for you. The Lord didn't give me your cross to bear it, to bear, to bear, but you have your cross. It's the death of self to carry a cross. It's humiliating. That's what, that's, that is what you have to do. Carry your cross. Every one of us. He cannot follow Christ, unless in obedience, submission to Christ's will, we exercise the will to take up the cross. You have to take it up. Not leave it there. You have to carry it. And sometimes cross-bearing can be very difficult. It may involve sacrifice, sacrifice for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ, suffering for the Lord Jesus Christ, even death for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the cross you have to carry. One man's cross may be some physical disability. Remember the Apostle Paul? He had his infirmity of the flesh, Three times he prayed that the Lord would take it away. And the Lord Jesus Christ would say to him, that's your cross. You have to carry it. But my grace is sufficient for you. I will help you carry your cross, but you must carry it. Because there's a purpose and a reason for you having that cross to carry Remember that you are a follower. You are on that path to glory. It will not come easy. You don't expect the crown if you're not prepared to bear the cross. Don't murmur and grumble because you are carrying the cross. For some of, for some of us, sometimes it's the care of the churches. Some pastors are very difficult churches to minister to. 
Sometimes, you know, you, you know how many pastors have given up? Given up ministry? They didn't want to carry that cross. But if God has placed that cross for you to carry, you have to, you have to carry it. Because you're not carrying it for yourself. You're carrying it for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see the one ahead of you, you see him carrying his cross to Calvary. You are following, carrying your cross too. That's the way that you are, you identify with him. And he identifies with us. All of us are carrying a cross. cross. Let, the, let the world laugh at us. Let the, world, let the world think bad of us. We carry our cross delightfully. We carry it willingly because we know and understand that it's through this way, this path, to know what God is conforming us into the image of his dear son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't expect to be carried on, on, on beds of ease, flowery beds of ease, as the songwriter says, while others fought to win the fight and save through bloody seas. Don't expect an easier life. So when you have believers who are always complaining and murmuring and grumbling, oh, why me? Why me? What are you grumbling about? Lift up your sights from your circumstances. Don't look at yourself. Consider yourself dead. Look up to Christ. Lift up your eyes. By faith, look up to him. See him bearing his cross and being crucified on that cross. Not for anything that he had done, but for your sins and my sins. And that should spur us on to take up the cross. No matter what it is that the Lord gives to me, you, you and I have to be prepared to bear it. It's a life of sickness. It's a life of sickness. And you sometimes say to yourself, you see your brother, another brother, another sister, having what appears to be a good life, free life, no sickness, and you are living through this life of sickness, everyday sickness, weakness of the body. Do you think you really know what others are going through? And yet that did not prevent them from preaching the gospel and doing the Lord's work? The great Charles Spurgeon suffered from gout, always sick. That was his cross. Did that prevent him from serving the Lord? Read the number of books that he has written. Read his sermons. So a man who labored with sickness. And not he alone, but so many. Look at the Apostle Paul, carrying his cross. Did that prevent him from going everywhere and preaching the gospel? No. Carried his cross. Because he was following the example of his Lord. That's why at the end he could say, I've kept the faith, I've finished my course, I've finished the course, I've, I've run the race. He ran the race as an invalid. 
Some of you are very strong, yes. Some of you have no problem with this. Question is, are you carrying your cross? Are you crying, carrying that cross for the Lord Jesus Christ? The Lord will give you grace. Give you grace. Yeah, yes, there are hardships. There are difficulties. There are problems of all kinds. There's a lot of pressure upon us from our own families, from our communities, from the world, from the places where we work, constant pressure because of your Christian faith, you're carrying a cross, but you're not carrying alone. The Lord Jesus Christ is always by your side. The Holy Spirit draws near to you to give you that spiritual strength to continue to bear your cross. Dear friends, cross-bearing disciplines us. It disciplines us. It makes you a better Christian. It draws you closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. When you have no cross, you live a carefree life. When you are bearing your cross, you depend so much more upon the Lord because you need him every day. You need him. And so you pray more. You read your Bible. You are in the house of God more often than not. Because your whole life is taken up with Christ Jesus and cross bearing. It helps us. That's why God gave it to me. Don't complain. Die to self so that the Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in your life. And that you can say like the Apostle Paul, I am crucified with Christ. Yes, I too die, he would say. I die to self. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. Christ lives in me. The life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ, who loved me and gave himself up. I will bear my cross no matter what. I didn't give it to myself. The Lord gave it to me. Because the Lord loved me. And the Lord wants me to be like him. And so I press on. Brothers and sisters, if you are not prepared to take up your cross and follow Christ, he said, you are not worthy Finally, let, let, let us look at this matter of following Christ. As I said, it's not we don't follow any human being, no matter how that person may be precious to us or exalted. We don't follow a man, we follow Christ. He says, follow me. That's the character of the, of the disciple. A follower, a disciple, a learner. That's what is involved. That is devotion. Devotion of yourself to Christ Jesus. Follow him. Oh, there are some who want to follow him. They want to follow him. He says to them, follow me. He may have said to you, follow me. And I hope that you have not 
like others said, well, Lord, I have to go and bury my father or my mother for that matter. Or you've said it just for the piece of land or some some cows and have to go and examine them. Whether they have married a wife and the time off. A lot of Christians are like that. They say they are following the Lord Jesus Christ, but they are busy, busy, busy doing other things. You're not following yet. You haven't counted to cross. Because if you are a follower of Christ, you are a disciple, you are a learner, you are a pupil. You are learning at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where you are. You're submissive to him, submissive to his authority in your life. Whatever he says, he asks you to do, you will do it. You ought to be that person who will, who will always be saying to the Lord, what will you have me to do? What will you have me to do? This is all about service. Are we people like that? Are we Christians like that? that, you know, disciples, learners, who have that ready mind, that teachable spirit, so that we are open to the word of God, open to the gospel. We always say, Lord, speak to me, that I might know, that I might learn. Because we have so many people, Christians, not just in this country, but you know, now down in the Caribbean as well, Christians, they are, you know, you, 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 you examine the, the evangelical scene. So many people, they are supposed to be following, but following at a distance, not want to get their feet wet, not want to be too involved, protecting themselves, you know, but ready to come and whatever they can get. But they say they're following. They claim to be disciples, and yet they know nothing because they're not listening to the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the disciple follows, having forsaken all for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's forsaken all. The disciples said of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have forsaken all to follow you. And you have to explain to them. You have to say, no, yes, but there's more. There is more. Come and follow me. Sometimes, dear friends, um, it means forsaking your business, your job, friends, family, for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. A true disciple counts the cost. And will follow because he understands that the sufferings of this present life are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in him. He follows because his eyes are upon the Lord Jesus Christ. The true disciple follows with one thing in mind, that is to please the Lord Jesus Christ. He will not please himself. He will not please man, but he is concerned about pleasing the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I always remember the story of this great musician. He performed wonderfully at some concert, got a standing ovation, ovation. Everybody stood up 
applauded him and he refused to accept the applause of the crowds. His eyes was fixed upon one man in the balcony. That one man in the balcony was his master teacher. He refused to accept the applause of the crowds. He looked up there at his master teacher. And not until his master teacher began to applaud him that he bowed and accepted the applause of the crowd. Not concerned about everything else. One person is teaching. So it must be with us. And whatever we do for the Lord Jesus Christ, our business is to, is to um, be concerned. I want to please my Lord. You know, people might pat me on the back and say, you, you're a good person, you're a good Christian, you're a good preacher. No. Have I pleased the Lord Jesus Christ? Whatever I did, did I do it for myself? Did I do it for the praise of men? Oh no. There is a legend where the Lord Jesus Christ it's a legend, it's not something real or true, it's a legend. The Lord Jesus Christ told some, some followers to pick up some stones from the river. Of course, people picked up what they could pick up. One, one person picked up a pebble, small stone. Others pick up middle stone, you know, mid-sized stone. Others picked up big stones. They didn't know why. Some days after, the Lord Jesus Christ turned every man's stone into a bread. So you could imagine, the person who picked up the big pebble, that's all he got. His little pebble became a, a, a little piece of bread. But the father who got would pick up the big stone and a lot of bread. The next time, though, the Lord Jesus Christ said to them, he wanted to pick up some stones again. And human human nature being what it is. I'm sure you can imagine this time what happened. Oh, they all picked up big stones, heavy stones. Some and some could hardly carry their stone. You know what the Lord Christ said to them? Throw the stones into the river. They were perplexed, astonished, couldn't understand. Until the Lord Jesus Christ had to say to them, for whom did you carry the stone? For whom? You see, you see, there's the difference. Did you carry the stone for, for me? Or did you carry the stone for yourself? Many times that's how we are. We do things, we say we do things for the Lord, but it's for us, not for the Savior. Because I tell you, if your heart and your mind is fixed upon pleasing Christ, and doing whatever you're doing for him, even though everybody, everybody leaves the church and, and you're the only person standing, you will do it for Christ. Because he called you to that. Not doing it for people, doing it for the Lord Jesus Christ. You, when everybody has gone, you will be the one left standing, laboring, laboring in the vineyard for the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you love him. 
You know what he has done for you. And your eyes are fixed upon him and him alone. That's what it means to follow. Because you understand. You understand the person for whom you are laboring. It's the, the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ, very God and very man. The one who is exalted, the one who sits at the right hand of God, the one who makes intercession for you every day. The Lord Jesus Christ. I'm working for him. I'm laboring for him. That is your that's your goal. That's what you want. That's your ultimate purpose in life. Nothing matters. Nothing matters. Not where I live, not what I have, not what I have accomplished, not what successes I have been, not not how far I have reached in my education, that does not matter. I'm serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the true disciple understands for whom he serves. And it is the true disciple, the true disciple, who has denied himself, who has, has brought his cross, carries his cross. That true disciple is the one who will receive the master's well done. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Not those who, you know, come to church and now and then you see them, you don't see them again. Dear friends, if that's how you are, if that's how you are, you, you, you will get your rewards. But it would not be the master's, the master's reward, the master's crown. Because he says so. You see after yourself, you will lose everything. You lose everything. But if you lose your life for Christ's sake and the gospel, you will gain it. You will receive the masters. Well done. Because we have to keep that in mind. We have to keep that in mind. There are some people who spend all their life, their energy, their strength, yes, their strength too running after the things of the world, making themselves great in the world, satisfying themselves. They have now everything. They're successful. They are the pinnacle of success. There's nothing more to conquer, as Alexander the Great would say. Nothing more. They have everything now. But there's a warning there. There's a warning. What shall it profit a man? He gives the whole world and suffers the loss of his soul. It's your soul that's important to you. Your soul. Where will you spend eternity? When you die, because you must die. You have everything. Perhaps a great funeral, but your soul. Because you did not, you did not serve Christ. You were so concerned about yourself and making yourself great in the world that you did that you denied your soul. And Jesus Christ is saying that he's coming again and every man shall be judged according to his works. We have to keep those things in mind. We can't just, you know, ignore those things and say, that well, I didn't hear or I didn't know. There are warnings there too. Don't spend your life only for yourself growing in this world being successful. Think about your soul. Yes, the salvation of your soul. 
for the day of reckoning will come. And brothers and sisters, all I can say to you is, as a true disciple, be steadfast, unmovable. Don't worry about what others are doing. Unmovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Your labor for the Lord will not be in vain. Be faithful to the end, no matter what. Be faithful to your Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Live for Him. Love Him. He loves you. The Spirit of the living God is making you to be like Him. Follow Him. Follow Him. Yes, it will be tough. It will be difficult. He will appoint things in your life that you never expected to happen. But I guarantee you that the Savior who loves us, He will carry you through every difficulty in your life. He said it. In this life, there will be much tribulation. Be a good cheer. Be a good cheer. He says, I overcome. Word. Follow me. Follow me. Follow me in sacrifice. Follow me in suffering. Follow me in service. Follow me. And I just pray and trust that this will be a heart and desire of all our hearts to truly, genuinely follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're not saved, Christ in your life. You need to trust Him. Trust in Him. If you want that new life, if you want to be forgiven, if you want to have hope, if you want to have assurance, you have to look to the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust in Him before it's too late. May the Lord bless His word. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we want to thank you, dear God, for your precious word, dear God. Thank you for teaching us these things. We pray, dear God, that thy Holy Spirit might enable us and help us to walk in the path of righteousness and holiness, to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, take up our cross and truly follow him wherever he leads us, strengthen us, encourage our hearts, dear God, we pray. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus Christ for his sake. Amen. Amen.